0: The Mishnah continues its discussion of Uvdin Decho, certain weekday activities which require lots of effort and work, and therefore are forbidden medirah Bonan on Shabbos. And this will lead us really into the next perech, which discusses certain leniencies which apply in life-threatening situations. So the Mishnah begins, <inaudible> One is forbidden to pull out a baby animal from its mother's womb on Yomtev. And all the more so on Shabbos, even though certain leniencies apply on Yom Tov, it's still forbidden on Yom Tov, al Masadin. but one can hold on to the baby animal as it's coming out of the womb of its mother. One is allowed to hold on to it and carry it, really, as long as he doesn't pull it out of the womb himself. Now the Mishnah implies that on Shabbos it would be forbidden even to hold on to the animal as it's coming out of the womb, and that would only be permitted on Yom Tov, since the Rabbanu were more lenient with regards to Uvdin D'Chul on Yom Tov. On the other hand, says the Mishnah, one is allowed to help a woman give birth by pulling out her baby from her womb, even though that might be considered hard work. When it comes to giving birth, that's really a life-threatening situation, and we don't take any risks, so that is totally permitted, even on Shabbos. On a similar note, one is allowed to call for her a midwife from one place to come to another place, even though in general on Shabbos it's forbidden to travel further than 2,000 Amas outside of the edge of the city, as we'll learn in more detail in the next Masechta, in this case it's permitted, even if there's already a midwife, let's say, in where she is, if she wants a better midwife, then even in that case, it would be permitted to travel further than the Tchum, further than the boundary of 2,000 Amas, in order that the better midwife come and help her give birth, um, One is allowed to violate, really, any Shabbos prohibition on her behalf, even if, let's say, it's not directly related to the birth itself. For example, she wants a bit more light, or if she wants something done for her which will make it easier for her. If there's any slight risk to life, then one is allowed to desecrate Shabbos on behalf of that ill person, or on behalf of that person who is in danger, such as the woman giving birth the truth is, the Gemara explains, even after she is given birth, for the few days after that, she is still considered in danger, so certain Shabbos violations can still be done, depending on how much danger she is in. Now, the goes on to something which can be done for the baby himself. Vocation is Hatavur, One is allowed to tie the umbilical cord, which is the cord which comes out of a baby's belly button, and if it's not tied up, then it's very dangerous part of the inside of the baby's body can come out, so it needs to be tied or even cut off. However, according to this opinion of the Mishnah, it can only be tied because this is de- definitely not considered to be a professional knot, so certainly not forbidden mid'oraisa. However, one cannot cut the umbilical cord because that is a more serious Shabbos prohibition. On the other hand, it would be Rabbi Asi says that one can even cut the umbilical cord, and really anything else which is usually done in the process of giving birth, because there is still a slight risk of death, and ends off the ba-shabbas, All things which are needed to be done for the sake of a bris mila can be done on Shabbos. We're now skipping till the eighth day of the baby's life, and really this is the focus of the entire next perak. What can one do on Shabbos in order to violate Shabbos for the sake of a bris mila? Now it's learned from Pesukim that if a baby's Milah is done on time, on the 8th day, so in a case where the baby is not ill and it's not dangerous to do it on the 8th day, then even if the 8th day falls on Shabbos, and in general it's forbidden to draw blood from someone's body on Shabbos, that is a toldah of shaykhit, of slaughtering, and it's usually forbidden to it Risa, it's learned from Pesukim that a Milah can be done on Shabbos as long as it's done on time. The question of our Mishnah is what about things which are for the sake of the Milah? But not part of the brismila process itself. So, really, you could have done it before Shabbos. For example, to bring the knife which you need to do the brismila, to carry that, let's say, through a public domain. So, you could have and really should have done that before Shabbos came in. The question is, what happens if you didn't, and right now you haven't got a knife? Is one allowed to violate Shabbos for the sake of bringing the knife? Begins the Mishnah. Romilia Zeromir says, in the heavy, clean air of Shabbos, if one did not bring the utensil, the tool which is needed for the brismila, namely the knife, before Shabbos came in, if he didn't bring that to the site of the milah, the Mevirba Shabbos, one is allowed to bring it on Shabbos, Megule says the Mishnah, openly, he should do it in a revealed way, he should show people that he is carrying it, why, surely I might think, that although it's permitted for him to do this, it looks like he might be breaking Shabbos, so he should try and hide it, says the Mishnah, no, you should do it openly, and the Gemara explains quite beautifully, to show the importance and significance of the Mitzvah of milah that it even overrides Shabbos. So you should show people that you're carrying the knife, so that they see the importance of this mitzvah, Uvasakona, says the Mishnah. However, in times of danger, for example, the non-Jewish nation who rules the country forbids the practice of rismila and so, of course, you can't go out into the street carrying a brismilor knife openly, and therefore, machaseu. you should cover it, but you should do so al them in front of witnesses so that there are two people who do know that you are certainly not breaking Shabbos so that if anybody suspects you of carrying a knife for your own use, or well, they can't see what you're carrying, so they think you're carrying something else, so the witnesses will be there to prove otherwise. Continues the Mishnah, Rebelezer takes this a step further. The Odom Rebelezer, Rebelezer furthermore said, and eats him.' One is even allowed to cut down wood from trees on Shabbos, to make charcoal in order for Klibarzel to make an iron tool, a knife, in order to do the brismila. So, if you need to heat up the iron to make it into a knife, you're even allowed to make that charcoal and cut down the wood. Even activities which are far removed from the brismila itself, as long as you are doing it for the sake of the brismila. Although ideally you should do it before Shabbos comes in, if you didn't, then you are still allowed to do it on Shabbos because according to B'liezer, the Torah permits anything which is necessary for the sake of the Bismillah to be done on Shabbos. However, mm-hmm. Klal Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva said a rule, and he argues with the Riliezer. Any malacha, any form of work which was possible to be done before Shabbos came in, for example, cutting the wood, making the knife, it does not override the Shabbos because it could have been done before. So it's not considered directly necessary for the Brismila itself. The Torah permitted things which need to be done on Shabbos on the 8th day to be done. But if it could have been done before, then it is not permitted to do it on Shabbos, v'sha'i'e Shabbos. However, something which is impossible to be done before Shabbos, such as the Brismila itself, and then the next of Mishnahis will list things which need to be done on Shabbos, only those things would override Shabbos violations. Mr. Mishle called Shabbos, one is allowed to do all of the things which are necessary for the Brismila itself. This is following the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. And the mission is going to list now what is considered necessary to be done on Shabbos itself. So of course the actual brismila itself can be done on Shabbos. And that is split into three parts. When so every brismila, there are three things done. M'yalin, that refers to the act of cutting the foreskin. Or one can do Priya, which is when they tear and pull back the next layer of skin. Or, Maitatin, one can do Matsitsa, which is when some blood is drawn from the place of the brismila. So, those three parts the Mila, the Priya, and the Matsitsa of course, those can be done on Shabbos because that is necessary for the brismila itself. That is the brismila. According to Sam, the Matsitsa is not actually part of the brismila itself. However, it is a necessary part, because if you do not do that, then it could be a danger to the baby's life. And the next few things on the mission's list are things which were done for the sake of the baby's health. They're, of course, not part of the brismila itself, and therefore the general rule is that only something which is forbidden midriya bonon on Shabbos, and only if it is necessary, only that can be done on Shabbos. So, for example, v'neuson oleho is polonis, one can put a bandage on it, v'chamoin, and cumin, a certain type of herb, which they would crush and put on the place of the brismila. However, to crush it in the regular way on Shabbos itself is forbidden with erasur. It's a tolda of teichin, grinding. And therefore the Mishnah says when may have Shabbos, if he did not crash the cumin before Shabbos came in, then loyis b'shinov, he can only chew it in his mouth in order to crush it, or crash it in a different, unusual way, since that would only be forbidden with Yabonon in general, and therefore in this case, for the sake of a it's permitted. So once he's done that, then the can place it on the place of the brismila. Now another thing which they did for the sake of the health of this baby, was that they would mix wine and oil together, and then place that solution on the place of the brismila. Now in general it's forbidden to do that medirabonon, to mix wine and oil, because that has to be mixed very well, and it gives off the appearance as if you are preparing it to be cooked or something. And therefore in general it's forbidden bonon, and in fact, even here where it's for the sake of the baby who just had a brismila you still can't do it in the regular way. Because for the sake of the baby, it doesn't really have to be mixed very well. And therefore, If he did not mix wine and oil before Shabbos came in, then you're not He should pour the wine and the oil into a container separately, and then he can mix them, but only lightly. He cannot mix them in the regular way. Alright, continues the mission of he cannot make a special bandage for the sake of the bris from the beginning. They would usually make a bandage which was a specific size and a special shape for the sake of the bris And this is forbidden on Shabbos since you are creating a utensil. I will but you can wrap around the bris a small piece of material which is not made into a bandage, because there you are not making it into a utensil. And ends off the Mishnah ve'im lehishim e'erav Shabbos, if he didn't prepare this before Shabbos, meaning he hasn't even got any pieces of material where he is right now, so they'll need to bring it from somewhere else. He should wrap it around his finger, as if it's some sort of finger glove, and then maybe he can bring it from somewhere else, even from a different courtyard, so from a different private domain which is next to their private domain, next to their Eshosh even though in general it's forbidden to carry from one Eshosh into another one, Unless, of course, they made an air of Chatzairus, which is when they joined together, we'll learn more about that in the next Mesechda. But in general, it's forbidden to carry from one Rishush into a different Yochid, which is next to it. However, since it's only forbidden midr one can do that on Shabbos, if he does it in an irregular way, by wrapping it around his fingers, if he's wearing it. But the Mishnah does imply that to do so via a HaRabim, to carry it in a public domain would be forbidden, because that is forbidden mid yabonon in general. There are those who argue and say that you would even be able to do this in Eresh harabim because if you wrap it around your finger, then it becomes an irregular way of doing it, in which case it's only forbidden Midyabbanan. However, the simple reading of our Mishnah does imply that it would be forbidden to do it through a public domain. Mishnah Gimel, the list continues. Marachitina Sarkothman, one is allowed to bar the baby which just had a bris milah. Milah, whether before the bris milah, in order to make the baby strong enough to be able to withstand the bris milah and also after the Brismila. If either of those two baths were not performed, then it would be considered a life danger. However, just like before, since this is forbidden mid in general, it needs to be done now in an irregular way, so therefore, on Zalfin of Bayad, one can sprinkle this hot water onto the child with his hand, avalubakli, but not with a utensil. He can't use any tools to do this. Rather, he has to do it in a very irregular way. On the other hand, says, one is allowed to bathe the baby in a regular way. You don't have to sprinkle the water onto him with your hand. You can bathe the baby in a regular way, because since this is considered totally necessary for the baby's life, it is permitted even in the usual way. And furthermore, not only is it permitted right before and right after the bris but also, on the third day after the Brismila, even if that falls on a Shabbos, it's still permitted to bathe the baby. As the Pasuk says in the story of Shechem, when Shimon and Levi got all of the people of Shechem to have a Bismillah, and then when the people of Shechem were weak from the Brismila, Shimon and Levi attacked them. So the Pasuk says that when did they attack them? It was on the third day when they were in pain, so you see from there that on the third day the baby is in a lot of pain and it could be considered a danger to his life. And therefore one can bathe the baby even in a regular way on Shabbos if it is the third day after the Brismila took place. Now at least during the times of the Mishnah, a baby which was born after nine months of pregnancy was assumed to be a living baby and it would survive. As well as that, a baby born after seven months or in the seventh month of pregnancy is also considered assumed to live. However, if it was born in the 8th month, then the baby would not survive. Now, if that 8-month baby did survive, let's say, a week at least, till the day of the brismila, it is not considered to be a living human being. He hasn't even gained the status of a person, really, because he is bound to die, and he won't survive, and therefore there is not a mitzvah of brismila. Now, what happens if somebody has a softache? A doubtful baby, meaning he's not sure whether the baby was born in the 7th or ninth month, or if it was born in the 8th month. So he's not sure whether there is an obligation of a brismila. The androgynous, and an androgynous who is somebody who has both male and female features, so it's really a doubt as to whether he's considered a man or a woman. So if the baby is an androgynous, then there is a doubt as to whether he has an obligation of a brismila. So in these two cases, one cannot violate Shabbos for these two babies, and although one is obligated to give them a Brismila, that should be done after Shabbos, in case there is actually no obligation, in which case you will be violating Shabbos. However, says the Mishnah, Rabbi, Rabbi Yehuda permits one to violate Shabbos in order to give an androgynous a bris milah. and he learns it from the Pasuk of Himalachem Kol that you should circumcise for yourself every male. The Torah added the word every, Kol zakhar, to teach that even if it's not a definite male baby, even then there is a regular obligation of Bismillah, and since the obligation is a definite one, one can violate Shabbos to give an Androgynous a Bismillah as long as it is on the eighth day.